subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy Chuck and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. So it was a, a solid weekend for Razorback Sports getting two of three in Globe Life. You did lose an epic game to Oklahoma State in 14 innings. They got a squeeze play at the tail end that didn't go your way. But you did get it against Oregon State, which I know every time you see Oregon State in baseball, you love to beat those guys, even though you hadn't gotten to play them. I think that was only the fourth time in Arkansas baseball history you've gotten to play them. Uh, again, basketball team gets it done this weekend. Some other stuff that we're going to get into as well. A court storming incident in Wake Forest and Winston-Salem. Of some other SEC basketball scores, including Kentucky, hanging 117 points on Alabama, which that was a game that I didn't think would be played any defense, but I didn't think that Kentucky would score 117 on those guys. So uh, sports-wise, we are not lacking from what we saw news-wise nope. this weekend. Nope, and uh, fun weekend. I mean, uh you know, you're going to have a chance on Tuesday to double dip. Got Grambling at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Vandy that night. Arkansas has a chance to win three in a row in basketball. Now, you know, we can talk about the level of competition later on, but the, the fact is that that's the first time this year they put back-to-back SEC wins together and certainly would be the first for three. So I don't know what you're still playing for. We've talked about the idea of, you know, I don't know if, if getting out of Wednesday night at the SEC tournament is enough of a carrot to dangle, but you're starting to uh, to look at the record of LSU. You're within a game of them. I, I don't have it memorized, but I know Georgia, LSU, and A&M are the teams you're kind of chasing uh, right now, record-wise, maybe to get out of that bottom four. Because I think you're tied with Georgia at 5-9. and nine. Ole Miss... They, and they beat you. Yeah, Ole Miss, LSU, and A&M are all at 6-8 and eight conference. You're also at 5-9. and nine. So, with four games remaining... Two of them being at home, one of them gets being an opponent in LSU that you have a chance. I think that's probably your best chance to pass up someone, depending on what Georgia does down the stretch. So an opportunity to start on Thursday night rather than Wednesday night in Nashville or Thursday afternoon, whenever it was, would be a much better situation for this Arkansas basketball team. And we're going to hear from Merritt Moss. He thinks they're playing their best ball right now. And it was like Caleb Battles had an interesting story, right? This is his third school. He got injured, broke, he messed up his foot. I think he broke his foot in the offseason and then was trying to come back from that. Uh, had not played well to for a lot of this season after non-conference started. Wasn't getting to play much at all. And then again, strains together three quality performances and has his best performance as a college basketball player when he only took 15 shots. That's what's most impressive about his 42 points is he goes 11 for 14, has the 14 free throws, doesn't turn the ball over one time. One time, with all those usage, with all that usage, with all the points, knocks down six three pointers and nearly plays all forty minutes with thirty eight minutes in the basketball game. There's a funny picture of Hunter Juracek holding up the number four two directly behind Caleb when he's talking with Chuck and Z. But just a marvelous performance from him that really helped Arkansas get over the hop because you mentioned before the show, Arkansas was having to deal with, what, 30-something from Sean East? You got the box score right 33. there. Yeah, 33 from Sean East, who's probably the most improved player in this league. Uh, didn't do as much in the first game, but man, gave Arkansas a lot of trouble on Saturday. You go, I mean, you went through the, the entire stat line there for him, but I thought the most important thing, you mentioned the 14 of 14 at the free throw line. He was fouled nine times in the ball game. And that's probably the most important aspect of what he did. Obviously, it lead all of these things lead to the scoring. Didn't have a foul himself in battle, and you mentioned the the the, the, the turnovers and, and taking care of the basketball. But man, you put your opponents in foul trouble. You kept getting to the free throw line, and you have fourteen of your forty two come from the charity stripe. Yep. So awesome for him. Awesome performance. And again, we're going to hear from him, Eric Musselman, from you this morning on the McCarty Daniel Hotline at eight seven seven. 377-6963. 
I'm unwilling to jump on the idea that Arkansas can make in the run in the SEC tournament yet. You got to see. You got to show me something in Rupp Arena and also in Coleman Coliseum. It's one thing to win against opponents like Texas A&M, play hard against Mississippi State, beat Missouri, beat Vanderbilt tomorrow night. You got to beat the Crim de la Crim, or at least compete against the Crim de la Crim, which they did against Kentucky at home this season. But can you have a similar type of defensive performance and then add some more offense against those guys? Again, against an opponent that just scored 117 in their last home game. This Saturday. I don't know anyone even talking about making a run in the SEC tournament. I mean, not in the circles I'm in. I mean, I don't I don't know anyone drinking that I don't know anyone drinking that Kool-Aid or uh even even thinking that direction. So yeah, I you know even if you go beat Kentucky, even if you want it at Coleman Coliseum somehow, I mean I expect Arkansas to beat Vanderbilt. You could win one of the last three. Maybe you give yourself a, a shot. I'm not sure who Georgia and A and M and Ole Miss is uh, and LSU's schedule is beyond just playing the Razorbacks, but uh, you know it's going to be tough just to even get out of Wednesday night. I, 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 haven't even, I haven't even considered in my thought process could you make a run at the SEC tournament? And if you're not going to talk about winning that whole thing, what what does it matter? Yeah, because I don't think again they're going to go. My theme last week is don't go to the NIT, even if you get invited at this point. Start focusing on what truly matters. But I think another thing that needs to be monitored and followed in all this. So Caleb Battle, for example, has another year of eligibility. Do these games, if he continues to find offensive success, convince him to come back for another year? Does Musk want him back for another year? The more, I think the bigger story about this basketball team is which young men and frankly, which, which of the coaching staff wants these guys to stay, which guys feel like, Hey, I think that even though we didn't have what we expected season-wise here at Arkansas, I think it would be behoove me in my best interest to come back for another year to play for Eric Musselman in this basketball team. And then again, who do Muss and this coaching staff actually want back this next calendar year? So here, John, are the guys with eligibility for this next season. Devontae Davis has still has a COVID year. Caleb Battle still has a year of eligibility. Tremont Mark still has two years. Keon Middlefield still has two years. Trevin Brazil still has two. Joseph Pinion still has two. Blocker and Fall still have three. And then you've got incoming freshmen Jalen Shelley and Isaiah Elihim. So those are the uh, 10 guys, at least, that if the roster stayed as is, the guys that returned came back and the incoming freshmen, again, on campus this next season, that's what it is. You got the two freshmen in at this point in time. So that is the setup for next season, potentially. And I was thinking that Caleb Addo would spend his final year of eligibility elsewhere at a fourth college, but he scored double digits in each of the last three games. And again, poured in 42 on Saturday against Missouri. If he continues on this stretch, I think he's going to end up coming back next year, even though it looked like I thought that he would probably transfer out in his final season. Well, let's wait and see. I, I don't think we can take the, the, the fate of where you're going to play next year and how you feel about a coach or how a coach feels about you and, hey, one performance changes everything. Even if he has a couple of 15, 20-point games the rest of the way, nothing to sneeze at, um, you know, there, there's probably some some direction, I would imagine, in both of their minds. His as a player and the coach, uh, the coaching staff, and what Coach Must thinks is probably pretty well trenched at this point. Um, I mean, it's not been the easiest seasons, and grass is, it's easier to look for greener pastures across the fence. So I'll be interested to see if this softens attitudes or changes minds, but things are pretty trenched in at this point. See, I don't think so. I, I, I think that the, the idea that they're the trenched in, if they were, Caleb wouldn't be playing right now and wouldn't do that. But because of injury, because of him turning around, that's changed. And now he's become your prominent offensive player over Tremont Mark to this point. Or... You're trying to put enough on tape that you got more suitors out there in the portal. I mean, you could look at that both ways. Well, I think that, again, they're looking to him more at this point, and he's given more leeway, and injuries have had something to do with that. There's probably some truth to, again, putting on more tape. I just think, is it more or less likely that he would come back this year based on three straight double-digit performances? Or do you thought, you don't think it has anything I don't, to do I with just it? Don't, I, I don't think we can say, man, if he has one more game, he might get to come back. I just don't think it has... They're as connected as we'd like to think they are. I think it opens more options for him. I think it opens more opportunities out there. I, I, I'm just saying I think those decisions on staying or going on both sides of that table, on both sides of that that decision, 
Uh, I don't know if a, a handful of recent performances change that or not. Jamie May says they definitely need a couple big men inside. Well, all your front court, with the exception of Bayfall, is going to be leaving this next year. Chandler Lawson, Makai Mitchell, and Jalen Graham. I know Devo's played some four, but he's not a, a four-man. So, yes, they will need to add some, some big men this upcoming season. And I wonder about... Devontae Davis, who, again, technically still has another year of eligibility, if he would entertain the idea of coming back, if the coaching staff would entertain the idea of him playing another season here in Arkansas. And also, I guess Trevin Brazil is technically a front court player, even though he plays more like a guard at times. I heard Z talk about that on the game broadcast. They played him a little bit. I don't think he's going to play much the rest of the year. I think they'll bring him in in foul trouble in situations like that. But Musk kind of alluded to it. It is really, really hard to get guys in this late in the season. Here's what he said about Trevin Brazil. Good to get him back. He's, you know, he's worked extremely hard on his on his rehab. But the group that's been playing well for us, I mean, that was the group that we kind of rolled with. And, I mean, this late in the year to work people back in becomes problematic, quite honest. And, and um, you know, Jalen Graham's been out a few games, and I mean, he's really helped us this year. We all know how talented T Brazil is. He's, he's one of the most talented players in, in our league. You know, we got a good flow going right now. How long that lasts, I don't know, but, you know, we're four and three in, in our last seven, I think. And, you know, to be quite honest with you, we, sh- we should be five and two. Yeah. He, he, a couple texts more on Makai Mitchell. They still wish he had another season. Tommy, I did not see the flagrant. I, I stepped out of the room, out of, out of the flag. Did you see the flagrant foul? That was a question. I, was that Andy I know it was er, early in the game, and I wanted to talk to Chuck about this. I was listening to Chuck on the Hit That Line Now app as I was headed there, and I haven't went back and watched it. I'll pull some video maybe up during the break, but um sounded like there was a chance for both players to get assessed a foul, and they come away with just the one on Mitchell. This was... I don't know, 16, 17 minutes left to go in the first half. This was an early play in the ball game, but uh, I was listening to Chuck describe it, and it's kind of hard to pick up the, the foul, and I haven't went back to watch those first three or four minutes with the way Arkansas uh, ended up winning that game. Yeah, I was also listening to it. I had not, I had not seen the actual uh, replay and was not watching the we'll live. find that during just, the break. Yeah, I was so. just listening to it at the time at this point. Make, make a note. We'll come back to that with Chuck. JT and Hot Springs uh, talking about the roster being vastly different as he texted on the McCarty Daniel hotline. Yes, I don't think, again, you've got technically eight guys on this roster currently that can come back for another season. I would be shocked if all eight did. Uh, I'm not going to go as far to say that they'll only have like two guys returning or anything, but I think it's going to be more like four uh, four or five, maybe. Uh, I think it also has something to do with how they close out the stretch. If they feel like that there's some positive momentum heading into this next season, but we'll have to wait and see how this team closes out the remaining four regular season games and then also what they can do, if anything, in the SEC tournament. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in downtown Hot Springs, Arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway. Join them for a romantic Valentine's Day getaway with a special dinner or romance package. Or if you're coming to town for live racing, they've got room for you every weekend, including Martin Luther King Day weekend and President's Day weekend. Experience all the luxury and hospitality of a Grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Call or text the McClarty Daniel hotline at 877-377-6963. McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform anytime from your desktop or mobile device. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, the game starts here. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Good morning, Chuck. Hey, guys. 
That's quite a that's quite a performance from Caleb, man. I didn't realize till Hawkstats put this out. The second highest in SEC history for Arkansas basketball, only behind Todd Day in yep. against an SEC opponent, which he did against LSU in 1992. Yeah, I wondered if he would maybe get a free throw or two and have an opportunity to to break that record. I remember when Todd Day did that, and it was a dominant performance that day, and battle was dominant in the game Saturday. Um, You know, Missouri was not going to let Arkansas beat them with that pick and roll. They just were not going to do it. Uh, You know, the way they, they clogged the inside and... Hey, that left a lot of open threes, and to his credit, he didn't he didn't miss very many. Other guys made them too, but when they leave you that open, um, you got to make them pay. And he did. Battle, ball fake, step back, three pointer. Battle hit another one. He's got thirty two. And I thought he really kind of gave some insight on his season with you after the game, Chuck. Here's what he said in the post game on our airwaves. This is the toughest year I ever had playing basketball. I mean, from the start, I mean, I broke my foot this summer to not being able to to work out like I wanted to um, with the guys this summer and then being cleared a week before the season and the next thing you know we're playing Purdue and then I got to play major minutes so I'm trying to catch up playing in shape and then going to Bahamas and playing three games in a row it's been tough and then some games you're not playing some games you are playing a lot so it's just it's just important I mean you know for any kid out there to just stay locked in and don't change your work ethic because the results going to show and God's always there for you and I always put praise him most. Chuck this is his third straight SEC game with 10 or more points had, again had four 42, said 15 and 18 in his other two performances. So really starting to click for him. And this and like the other two were more of like free throws, just getting the line. This one was not just free throws, but really knocked in shots as well. Yeah, that was the thing that I thought was impressive about Saturday was he didn't go hunting shots. I mean, he only put 15 shots up. He scores 42 points on 15 field goal attempts. So that's about as efficient as you can be. So that was the thing that I thought was impressive. He did it all within the framework of the offense. What what the game dictated. Um, it wasn't as though the game did not dictate what he was doing. You know, we talked about what Missouri's approach was defensively. Well, when that happens, the game dictates you shoot more threes. And um, that's... That was the encouraging thing for me, was that um, he didn't just get his points to get his points. And I I was telling Ty earlier, he also got fouled nine times, drew nine fouls in the game that got him 14 free throws attempts, and he made all 14 of those. I mean, that's a huge part of his day as well, but also, you know, put your opponent in foul trouble as well. You know, I'll tell you, when he gets going toward the basket to his right, uh, he is really good at drawing the contact and still getting the shot. You know, he is very good at maneuvering his body, absorbing the contact, sometimes seeking it out and getting that shot to go off the glass. He's done that many times this year. And um, when it's not gone, he's drawn the you know, he's he's drawn the foul shots. And you know, as good as he's been on the line, he's still about six and a half, seven percentage points below what he was at Temple last year. At the free throw line. He shot nearly 90% from the free throw line. Now, he's probably, I'm not, as I'm speaking off the top of my head, I don't have his temple stats in front of me, but I'm going to guess that there's more of an emphasis here on getting to the foul line than maybe there was there. I don't know. Um, at any rate, the coach here. Well, I know it's important to the coach here. That's exactly right. So, um, but I do know that, yeah, he, he's, look, he's playing well right now. He's a scorer. Score, score. When scores aren't scoring, every other part of their game suffers. That's just how it is in basketball. It shouldn't be that way, but um, generally that's that's how it works. I think with him, and Tommy and I kind of differed on this. I kind of want your thought. The last three games, again, we mentioned his double-digit performances, and I feel like – I felt like – five, six games ago. All right, Caleb's going to play his final year of eligibility yet elsewhere. He's going to be on his fourth collegiate school. I wonder how much these last couple games, assuming he has the same offensive success and assuming the coaching staff kind of looks to him, maybe factors in his decision for where he plays basketball next year and, and, and vice versa. If the coaching staff is pitching him maybe harder than they would have earlier in the season when it didn't look like that he was meshing as much because while he has had good offense, he looks like he's better on defense as well. Well, we'll just have to see what all this means at the end of the year. I have no idea, and anything that I would say would be 
Um, just speaking off the top of my head, so I'm not going to go there. Um, they'll make decisions on everybody at the end of the season. Clearly, when you're playing well, um, you're more apt to want to try it again than if you're not playing and things are going poorly. So uh, your, your, your point's well made, and uh, I hear you, but I just don't know how that's going to affect things at the end of the season. Well, it's not just Caleb that's playing better. It's this team and Muss, again, complimentary of what they've done the last few games. I think this is a basketball team that has really, really improved. I think we're playing, it's not I think, it's a, it's a fact that we're playing our best basketball of the year right now. I don't know how I'll feel because we still got basketball to play. So we'll see where we end up. So you get Vanderbilt tomorrow night in Bud Walton Arena. You go to Rupp this upcoming Saturday. You get LSU in your place next Wednesday. And then you close out against Alabama, who just gave up an absurd amount of points to Kentucky earlier this weekend. So two games that you should be able to at least compete in, possibly win. Two other games that are going to be really tough against top-tier opponents, but they're good tests based on where you actually are you at this point. Is it just because who the opponents you play, the caliber of opponents, or are you actually getting better where you can go on the road and compete against these basketball teams? Yeah, I guess we'll find out. Um, I think they're past the point of test, though. I mean, you've got four games to go. So, I mean, they've, they've, they've been battle-tested. If they lose at Kentucky, it'll be because Kentucky's better. Over the course of the season, Kentucky's been better. If they lose at Alabama, it'll be because Alabama's better. Over the course of the season, Alabama's been better. So that's why they're going to be favored in those games. I think when you're, you know, when you're on a run, and, and look, this is not a full-blown run, but based on what we've seen this year, this qualifies as a run. Yes, yes. Um, So you just ride the wave. I mean, they're playing better. Um, keep doing the things that you've done to help you play better. Um, you know, do the things that you've done the last three or four weeks, two or three weeks, uh, three or four games. Um, just, you know, right now things are going your way. So go play well against Vanderbilt. Win that ball game. And then go to Kentucky. Just, hey, go play. I mean, go play. Kentucky will obviously let you play. Uh, you know, they uh, um, uh, they feel like they can out-athlete you. And I watched it Saturday. And, man, can they ever mm-hmm. when they cut it loose at home. Um, but just go play. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the, the, the biggest thing you maybe have to play for right now is maybe avoiding the first night of the SEC tournament. That if that's the goal, then that's the goal. But I think I think you're right. Just play the game in front of you. Uh, you got a chance to put three wins in a row together against Vanderbilt. Um, you got two games left at home. I mean, you know, uh, this points. You know, see what you do. It'd be it'd be a shame to have one of your last two games against an opponent that's had a a tough season just like you. Let them come in here and get one of their handful of wins. You avoided that Saturday with Missouri. You didn't want to be the team to give them their first win, and you didn't. Well, you know, you look at where Arkansas is in the standings right now. Um, I'm not suggesting that moving from Wednesday to Thursday, you know, makes everything okay. But I do think there's an opportunity for some movement in the standings. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you if 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 you look at it uh, tomorrow night and uh, Wednesday night. Now, the first order of business for Arkansas is beating Vanderbilt. But, you know, they're even with Georgia in the standings right now. I don't know what the tie break is, but I know Georgia's, uh, Georgia's fading fast. Um, you know, they're a game back of Texas A&M. And they've got the tie break over Texas A&M. Um, Ole Miss owns the tie break over Arkansas, but they're just a game up now. And you start looking at the schedules and who the other teams have to play, during the course of this week, I'm, I'm talking about the midweek games. I'm talking about Tuesday and Wednesday. If Arkansas can beat Vanderbilt, there's a chance that they could go into the weekend, you know, inside that top ten. Yeah, uh, they might be tenth, but 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 they'd be in that group. Now, look, there's four games to go, and I have no idea how it's going to turn out. But I do know they're playing well right now, and your number one goal should be to play well tomorrow night. And to your point, those teams that are above you, South Carolina beat Ole Miss this weekend. Georgia lost to Auburn. Tennessee beat A&M and LSU. So the teams you needed to lose all lost this weekend. You got help this weekend, and hopefully in these next four games, you'll continue to do so to this point. 
Hey, Mitch. Well, you've 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 also got to look. LSU plays or Georgia's Georgia goes to LSU mm-hmm. tomorrow night. You're tied with Georgia right now. You got to catch LSU, but you get LSU at home. I got a chance to move there, and then you look at uh, you know you look at Wednesday night. A and M's at home, but it's against South Carolina. Ole Miss is at home, but it's against Alabama. So if That's you can be Vanderbilt, there's a chance for some things to happen. Yeah. Text in from uh, Justin Nutt in the Delph. It said he would be it would be the most Eric Musselman thing to win out as he texted in the McCarty Daniel Hotline. I'm not willing to <laughs> to go that far to this point in time, but I have been encouraged on some of the stuff that I've seen by a lot of different people. Uh, thinking the same thing. What I want to know is in terms of the minutes playing, we played the clip a little while ago with Trevin Brazil. Trevin gets four minutes in this game on Saturday and must talked about it become problematic to try and get guys back in the lineup this late in the season. Still waiting on Jalen Graham to come back who apparently could have played if there was foul trouble or they just had to get a guy in there. But how he features those two guys who are both front court players in these final four games in the SEC is going to be really interesting to me. I don't think Trevin will play a lot down the stretch, to be perfectly honest. I think he's like what he's seen from the guys. But at the same time, Jalen Graham has been a big part of this kind of, not necessarily resurgence, but them looking better. So it's it's going to be a real push and pull for Muss in these final four regular season games before they get to Nashville and what he does with those two front court players. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're off base there. I don't, I don't, I don't think you're off base at all in uh, what we'll see. The thing that you have to remember is that um, the guys that are on the run are the guys that have been playing. And if you're going to stay on that run, those are the guys that need to keep playing. Yeah. And the idea that, I mean, no disrespect to any player, but the idea that somebody that's averaged about seven, eight, nine points ball game is going to come back in and make you appreciably better. I, I mean, if you've got Eight guys playing well right now. You need to run with them for a little while. And I think that's what they're doing. Yeah, Devo's played a lot of the four and Musk talked about just kind of what he's doing. I, I know people, and I've been frustrated at times because I felt like he's passed open wide open shots, but he's really filled in for you at power forward. Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to play a point guard at power forward, he's got a rebound. And he did that. You know, I mean, th- the good thing about Devontae is you know, you kind of tell him a role and, and, and lay out expectations and then he, he plays as hard as he you know can and does it told him before the game you got a rebound if you're a power forward i'm not so sure he thinks he's a power forward but he is with us right now i don't know that you can do that against kentucky for example true mm-hmm. I, I i don't i don't i don't think you can say all right devo you're going to play the four against kentucky for 40 minutes I, I don't think that's a recipe for anything other than getting beat but um so it would be nice to have uh have Graham back for that ball game, and you may need both of them. And and you know, frankly, if you win a ball game like that on the road at Lexington, you're you're going to need everybody on the bench probably at some point. You know, and some of this, you know, at Brazil obviously out with with his knee problem and and not playing. You've had Graham with his injury, but you've also had some other guys just kind of play their way out of out of minutes and rotation. But as you've done that, you've You've narrowed the pool of the guys that are left, right? And they've played more minutes together. Some of this has got to be just the natural chemistry of this collection playing more minutes together and just getting better by doing that. Maybe so. Maybe so. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're the last guys left, um, you know, that's when people well, perform. It doesn't always work that way, but sometimes it does. One of us said, it's, it's been said before, that your best ability is availability. So just yeah. being being available uh, can uh, can sometimes lead to good things. You got to trademark that phrase, Chuck. You can make some uh, good chunk of change off that. You think so? Oh, I think yeah. I'm the I first to ever say it. I don't, think he was, I don't think that's the first place anyone <laughs> heard it. But... Uh, it uh, you know it's good to at least see him playing good for consecutive games, and that that's been hard this season. Man, it was all about Hagen Smith on Saturday night. Three two pitch, he struck him out, got him looking. Hagen Smith has tied the school record with seventeen strikeouts, but he's done it in six dominating innings. Pardon me, Friday night, as again, he has one of the best performances that we've ever seen from a Razorback pitcher. Uh, Dave Van Horn uh, and a lot of people thought about just Todd's performance against South Carolina. Chuck, when Ray Tanner was there, had baseball. I called it. Yeah, I, I was going to say you would be the best one, one to remember uh, something like that. Uh, what do you remember about that performance and then 
just maybe parallel to that on, on Friday night from Hagen? Well, they're both dominant. I mean, Todd fanned the first nine of the ball game, and I just remember that there was, uh, there was so much movement on his pitches. I mean, we were at an angle in our booth, and you can still see the thing just dancing around. I mean, it was incredible. And South Carolina was helpless, and he struck out the first nine of the ball game. Um, Smith was different. I, I've never seen a pitcher, you know, work six innings and 17 of the 18 outs were on strikeouts. I'd never seen anything like that. And to do it on 78 pitches was probably the most remarkable thing of all. Um, lots of guys strike out. I, I say lots of guys strike out. A pitcher that has a high strikeout total through six innings, a lot of times his pitch count will be up over 100. And that's why they leave the game, because they've had to work so hard to get those 17 strikeouts. Uh, But he did it about as efficiently as a pitcher could do. It was like watching a video game. Uh, And there were some people pushing back on the idea you don't pull him in that situation. I thought that was the best move Dave Van Horn made of the weekend. I know that, again, sometimes as a fan, you get caught up in that particular moment, wanting to see records broken, wanting to see individual performances take that. Say You were talking about the free throws earlier with Caleb maybe eclipsing Todd Day back in 1992. But I thought Dave made the best decision of the weekend was just pulling Hagen at this point. Hagen talked about after the game, hey, I believed in my bullpen. I thought they were going to get it done. Got a little shaky there for a sec. But you need Hagen in Omaha. Doesn't matter what happens in globe life on in the middle or the tail end of February, as much as a record would be fun to have at yeah. this point. And be, you know, for those that went down, fun to, to, you know, you can still say you were at that game where all those staff strikeouts occurred and wasn't like they quit striking people out when Hagen left the game. But Chuck, I thought the, the neat part was after we all witnessed the start of the season and the way that inning went and, you know, the ERA balloons to 20, what, 27 or 24, whatever it was, him to come back and have that dominating of a performance. Um, I thought, I thought, I thought it sent a statement, not only to him, to himself and college baseball and whatever, but to his teammates and his coaches that, Hey, that first game, it's flushed, and it doesn't matter at this point. Well, you could tell he was very determined. Yes. I mean, you could tell that uh, in his in his voice inflection after the ball game when he spoke, you could tell that that fueled him uh, going into that game. Now, I'm going to say this. I've said it many, many times over the years. If you make a judgment on a baseball player on what happens on a day when it was 35 degrees, then you just proceed at your own peril because that is not a well-informed call. And you need to get a baseball player playing in baseball weather. And that's what they had inside that building on Friday night. And um, worked up a good lather and went out there and dominated. And how about the attendance? Over 15,000 on Friday, over 16,000. Highest attended collegiate baseball game thus far this season. Probably will be that way until they get to Omaha at this point. A lot of Arkansas fans, you didn't see. It was great. It was awesome. Just for a college baseball to be at that point. Yeah. And I'm going to sound like a crotchety old man here, but you mentioned his inflection and after the game. I could I couldn't pull a Hagen clip this morning because they're blaring music in the background. There, uh, that blows my mind. It is so frustrating. It's like okay, I got Dave's clip. I want to get some of what Hagen had to say, and you can't hear it because they're blaring music in the background of this interview, and it's 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 undistinguishable. And so that's my old man take here on a hot get off Monday. My is don't blare music during interviews yeah. after the game when the game is concluded and it's over. Let it be silent. Let the sounds of the ballpark seep in there. And instead, they're just bam, bam, and you can't hear any. I was I was hacked off this morning when I was listening to that audio. I don't disagree with Thank you, you on Chuck. that. I wasn't quite as emotional about it as you were, but I don't disagree. I was listening to Phil on the post game, and you could hear the music in the background overwhelmingly. As someone that uh, tries his best to make this a quality radio show and when I can't play the picture of the weekend saying anything because you can't hear anything it says. Well, you could play it to illustrate your point. Well, yeah, I guess that I guess I could have done that to this. But that's my only angry part of this weekend. I didn't have an issue with what happened on Saturday. In fact, we saw Colin Fisher. I was happy with that. Uh, it did give up that squeeze play at the tail end. But they, only because they played 14 yes, innings. Yes, yes, yes. They know. were running out of pitching at that point in time. But listen, I, I said this on Friday when I got asked about it. It's like, I want to see what that freshman does in a crucial situation. And we saw him 13 look great. And unfortunately, in 14, things didn't go his way. We'll see if he bounces back or not. But I was I was happy the fact that he played 
on Saturday night because I wanted to see him. But as you mentioned, the only reason he played because they went into You're happy he played because you pulled his name out of thin air on Friday <laughs> when Tommy challenged you to and say something about Dave Van Orn. And Dave is, Let's tell the truth. And Dave was listening, apparently. Yeah, all the oh, way yeah. down there in Texas. <laughs> well, he has to hit that. He was on the app. app. He, he was on the app. He has the app. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Arkansas has won a couple basketball games in a row, and they not just those, but they have looked a lot better as of late just playing, especially on defense. They're not giving up 80, 90 points a game seemingly every single game. But you do wonder, hey, can this team go on a run or anything? Well, it helps when guys like Caleb Battle have performances like he did on Saturday. Battle drives, gets it to fall. A lay-in for Battle. It's 69-59, 40 points for Caleb Battle. So I wonder for all you out there listening, and you can, again, get at us on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, 877-377-6963. What is it going to take for you to think this team can actually do something in Nashville in the SEC tournament? What, what makes you think that they can actually not just, again, beat Vanderbilt tomorrow night, beat LSU at home next Wednesday, but actually do something uh, in Nashville? Maybe is it winning in Rupp, or maybe is it just competing? Maybe is it winning in Coleman next weekend? I Guys, for me, it's I just need to – if they can win one of those two road games, I will give them – a legitimate chance because I think at that point they will be outside of Wednesday night. They'll play on Thursday. And, and I'm not going to bet money on it, but with the coach you have of the basketball program, I'll give them a, I don't know, 5% chance that they can maybe make it to, to Sunday based on who's coaching that basketball team and seemingly them starting to click a little bit. Well, I, you know. I'm not ready to predict any run past Vanderbilt right now. You just got to, you know, three three in a row would be uh, a feat they haven't accomplished this year. And, yeah, you get considered the difficulty in this part of the schedule. But Arkansas lost to some games that, you know, I thought felt they had enough talent to, to win. Now, they got some coming up, Chuck, that you can play your best game of the year, not beat Kentucky or Alabama on the road. Vanderbilt's a game you feel like you should win at home. And I don't know how to feel about LSU at 50-50 at best right now. But you got a chance to win. I think two of your last four, if you play well. Well, you've got a chance to win tomorrow night, and I just don't think that, as we've seen, anything can be taken for granted at any point, nor can anything be ruled out. You know, you look at Mus's track record. I don't think you can rule anything out. The fact, Ty, that you're even bringing it up is kind of testament to that, that, you know, everybody still in the backs of their minds wonders if – Gosh, they don't have an even more incredible run in them. Uh, and it would be an incredible run uh, for, for, for something like that to happen. Look, they've won back-to-back ball games for the first time in the calendar year. And it's been a while since the calendar flipped to 2024. This is their first time to have won two straight games. So let's not get the cart before the horse. Let's be Vanderbilt tomorrow night, get ready to go to Kentucky and see what happens. The overall equation for this team's not changed. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing well right now, but, you know, we're 27 games in and they're one game over 500 overall and still four games below 500 in the league. So you're about out of ball games. You know, we can all do the math. So, um, you know, go beat Vanderbilt and then – Head to Lexington this weekend. So you look at the other games that happened this weekend. Florida beat Vanderbilt by 13. No surprise there. Uh, Ole Miss has really dropped off. You talk about a team that started as strong as they did. They lose again this weekend at home to South Carolina. Uh, Kentucky just uh, just thrashes Alabama by 22. They score 117 in that one. Auburn beats Georgia by 21. Uh, Tennessee beat the you-know-what out of A&M. And then LSU lost by 20 
to Mississippi State. Uh, again, the most probably impressive performance was what Kentucky was able to do against Alabama, which Bama's now tied with Tennessee at 11-3. and One thing that I think we've learned if we've paid attention over the last few years is that your fate as an NCAA tournament team Aside from a you know a, a, a mid-level team running through their conference tournament unexpectedly, your fate in terms of the NCAA tournament is decided in the regular season. Uh, there's less emphasis on conference tournaments every year, in my opinion. So for all of these teams, Tennessee, Alabama, Ole Miss, who may have played their way out, Mississippi State, who's played their way in, and Texas A&M, I mean, who knows? Outside looking in right now, I think the next two weeks are going to determine who's in and who's out. The conference tournament, if somebody makes a run and wins it, obviously that team, if they were going to be on the outside looking in, uh, they'll get in automatically. But I think, frankly, we'll know outside of an unexpected run going to Nashville. I think we'll know who's in and who's out. Yeah, and, you know, for our, I think any talk of making – even a, a run or getting into a, some kind of bubble conversation way premature. I mean, I think... Well, the, you it, just win your next game exactly, and see what happens. Exactly. But I think you're right. Just, you know, the point, the fact that it's even a thought in the back of your mind right now, Ty, shows you what is there. I, I'm not comparing Arkansas's basketball program to Tiger Woods, so don't mishear what I'm saying. But it's kind of like when Tiger... Here we go. You know, every now and then, you, you knew it was in there buried somewhere because mm-hmm. you'd seen it in the past. And he pulls out that one Masters victory, that victory at, at, uh, at the players. But they were few and far between. This basketball team, while not comparing that, you have seen that enough with Muss in the past. You know it's you know what's possible. But if Tiger's six strokes back with three holes left, he's going to run out of golf course. Yeah. And the numbers just don't add up. Yeah, right. And that's, a, uh, again, looking at this basketball team to, to be what they are. I think the for Muss, it, I think he's somewhat gotten these guys to buy in at this point. The difficult part for him in these remaining four plus at least one postseason game is who he's going to play. And I think it's harder than people think with, oh, just play with the guys that you've been then going with. Well, Graham has been a part of that stretch for a good chunk till he got injured. And all I ever heard about in the preseason from fans was how good Trevin Brazil is. And this year, unfortunately has gone against him. I don't think the, I think that again, they're not all the way there. You're never all the way there till the tail of the season, but he's got these guys to buy a little more offensively, defensively. His coaching difficulty now is how do I either just not play Trevin Brazil and Jalen Graham, or how do I feature him back in when, when guys have again, done it to this point and you made an important observation earlier like you can't play Devo at the four against Kentucky they're just too tall probably can't even play him against Alabama who's got some height as well with Grant Nelson and some of the other their other front court players but just kind of the the give and take uh, I, I think it's the more difficult aspect to Muss's job in these next four games not getting them to buy in at this point unfortunately it's just kind of it's almost too late at this stretch of the season I just think you game plan for the next game um, because, you know, if you're talking about an at-large bid, um, I'm not sure that's out there. You know, I think you're probably going to, uh, you know, I think you're going to have to win the conference tournament right. to get in. Um, the NIT is a whole different conversation. Um, so, and some guys are going to be back, some guys aren't. So I just think you go all in for the next game. Yep. And you don't look for any guarantee beyond that because there's not one, you know. And and so we've seen this. I mean, this is a weird – I've not seen many basketball seasons like this one, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're out of time. It's just the God's honest truth. So um, go beat Vanderbilt. See what happens. Jaron texted on the McCarty Dino Holland. He thinks Arkansas can do it. Georgia did it back in 2008. Also, another example would be Arkansas doing it back it in It can be done. No question. Yeah. It can be done. You can't do it starting on Wednesday, though. It hasn't happened since the shift of the conference tournament when Texas A&M and Missouri had it. 
there's no chance for Arkansas to do it on Wednesday night. If you're going to have any type of pathway to the SEC championship on Sunday, it has to be done with getting out of that bottom four of this conference. And they have an opportunity to do that based on what happened this weekend and based on these remaining four games to this point in time. All right, so that's the basketball side of things. I think a lot of people are bought into this baseball team. A lot of it has to do with your ace, Hagen Smith, who had a heck of a performance on Friday night. Here's what Dave had to say about his starter. Obviously, he didn't go good last week. We knew he was going to pitch good tonight. We didn't know if he was going to win the game or what. We just knew he'd pitch good. He's really good. That's the way he pitched in the fall. Or his bullpens look like that. He holds his stuff. You know, we play with a lot of confidence when he's on the mound. Everything is working. I mean, you start flashing a few change-ups there late and see how he does next week. But it'd be hard to ever top that one. Try got 17 guys. You got 110. You know, so it's pretty amazing. Ban postseason music when during interviews. <laughs> postgame music. Ban it. Ban yeah. postgame music at this point. But you heard Dave there again talking about Hagen, who was fantastic. I mean, the guy was hitting 99 on certain fastballs and really had command. This wasn't some bum team. This was oh, or excuse me, Oregon State. This was a top ten team that had just poured it on teams to this point prior to playing Arkansas on Friday. And you mentioned Pence count. Chuck, he had 17 strikeouts and. 78 pitches. It's one thing to have that amount of strikeouts, but to do it in that such a condensed number is might be the most impressive thing about his performance. I thought it was. The fact that he did it in 78 pitches, first off, to do it is something that clearly, you know, they talk about for a long, long time. Uh, but to do it in 78 pitches is pretty remarkable. 51, you know, 51 is required to uh, strike out 17 batters. So uh, there's not a whole lot left. And I I want to say that there were like 25 swings and misses on those 17 pitches, or excuse me, 78 pitches. So again, they just could not locate him all night. And I was thinking back, we we kind of referenced the Jess Todd game, which you called uh, and were a part of his performance against South Carolina. One of the more recent Arkansas baseball performances that I was thoroughly impressed with was Robert Moore hitting for a cycle against UCA a few years ago. Might have been last year. I know that happened recently within the last three or four years, but that's the the performance that stood out to me, but it was against, again, it wasn't necessarily against a marquee opponent. I think what it stands out to me, and, and you can get at us on the McCarty Daniel Hotline, maybe the best pitching or just Arkansas baseball performance that you've seen, or just baseball in general. But to do it in that stadium, which he's played good in, and again to bounce back from last week, which was maybe his poorest perfi- pitching performance as a Razorback, but it goes to show you that when you're in actual baseball conditions versus 35 degrees, it's a lot different a lot of times, particularly for pitchers. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think of Jess Todd's performance, no doubt about that. And um, you were talking about Robert Moore hitting for the cycle. The guy that did it the time before Robert Moore was a guy named Kyle Harris against Tennessee years ago at the old ballpark. And when somebody hits for the cycle, you remember it, that's for sure. All right, a couple texts here on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Dylan Leach, another guy that hit for a cycle most recently, Witt and Jay spring that up. And he did, I think, on both sides of the plate as well at this point. Chaz and Fayetteville uh, wish that he would have, Dave Van Horn would have left Hagen Smith in. I said earlier, I thought that was the best move Dave made all weekend is pulling him out. Doesn't matter a February game. Doesn't matter if it's in Globe Life. Doesn't matter if it gets a top 10 opponent. That was the best move that Dave made probably all weekend to this point. Byron also brings up again Dylan Leach. Guys, here's another hot take here on Hot Take Monday. And I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted that I'm saying this. That was actually a good broadcast from Flow Sports. There weren't technical issues. The, the, the camera shots were clean. Um, I thought I was going to come in here Monday, two days earlier on a What's Your Beef Wednesday and just rip and rag the broadcast from Flow Sports in the three games this weekend. But they actually put together some clean footage. And I listened to Phil the majority of the time, but I watched highlights and I, I talked to people that had it and I watched a little bit because my roommate got it this weekend. But uh, that they actually put together a, a, a good package for Arkansas fans and other fans this how, weekend. How much was that, I know there's the four, you could discount you get the discounted rate at fourteen ninety nine yeah. so five bucks a game if you do it that way or it's standard twenty nine ninety nine hopefully a lot of fans that did buy it did the discounted through CAA that conference but man they they actually did a good job and I didn't think they were going to this weekend at all they've improved a lot they've improved a lot from when they first started um, 
Yeah, I thought they were good. They, it costs way too much. A lot of people be canceling their subscriptions today. Yep. <laughs> but um, their product has improved tremendously. That is true. Yeah, and don't forget. I know that you don't want to get fifteen or fourteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine charge this upcoming month. So make sure you cancel it today because. You're not going to use it anytime soon. All right, let's talk to Lane in Cave City, home of the best watermelons, or at least one of the best watermelons patches in the state. Lane, welcome in. Hey, guys. How are y'all this morning? Good, man. Hey, Lane. But, uh, hey, I just wanted to uh, ask y'all, should we feel or be kind of worried about this baseball team with the lack of uh, productivity we're getting out in the middle of our lineup? I think Phil said... Uh, on the broadcast against Oregon or Oklahoma State, we was like 0 for 15 out of the heart of, out of the middle of our lineup. Or is that just early season jitters? I'll uh, I'll get off here and let y'all guys answer it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lane. So Friday, I think they started 15 guys. Uh, Vahiva Aloy has not hit like he's expected to, and it, he, he's early on in his transfer year at Arkansas. I think Dave and. Um, Thompson, a lot of those guys have confidence in him. But, I mean, when you play a 14-inning game and you only manage one run, uh, that's an issue. And, again, you're, what are we now, like seven games into the season? There's a lot that can be fixed between now and then. But that has not necessarily been a strength of this baseball team to this point. Their pitching has been, particularly their starting pitching, but uh, hitting in that meat of the order like you're talking about, Lane, it's it hasn't been a strength. There's no question about it. I wouldn't read anything into it. I really wouldn't. Uh, Because it's way too early to read any kind of trend as far as the hitters are concerned. And just quite frankly, the guys who are in the middle of the lineup right now may not be in the middle of the lineup as we move forward. Um, If you don't hit, at the very least, you're not going to be in the positions where they need you to drive in runs. So um, they'll be fine there. Yeah, I wouldn't. uh, I'm with you. Just. It's early. You're like I said, seven games in now after this weekend. Let's just see what what unfolds. And I, I'm certain the lineup will be different. Hi everybody, this is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures, and at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. Have you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. So Caleb Battle had the second highest scoring total for Arkansas against an SEC opponent since they joined the league back in the early 90s. Here's what Muss had to say about his shooting guard. Because when you look at the efficiency of only 15 field goals and to get 42 points, I mean, that's insane. You know, he's done a great job all year of drawing free throws, 14 of 14 from the foul line. The six defensive rebounds, that's probably as good a night as he's had from a defensive rebounding standpoint. And then, you know, the theme coming into the game was we had to get a shot on goal. We couldn't have live ball turnovers and he did a great job i mean he played 37 minutes and 34 seconds and didn't have a turnover while he scored 42 points kind of unheard of to be honest so i think for again for kayla if there's a lot of things you could say about what he was able to accomplish on saturday but tommy you referenced this set earlier nine foul strong and that seems yep. more like a makai mitchell front court stat but uh, and chuck you also said it when he gets to his right man there's there's no stopping him when he gets to the rim I know what Muss said there was key, too, and I'll be brief here because I know you guys may want to get to some other things, but six rebounds and no turnovers. Hogstat sent me a text during the game. The last Razorback to have 42 points and six rebounds was Dean Tolson in 1974. Now, you know, you, you can take these things and, you know, you can maneuver the stats. to You can do a lot of last times if you want to add a whole bunch of stats to it. But and he played a complete game. And uh, you won't see many 
performance is better than 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 what Battle showed on Saturday. Uh, Hagan also had a, a good performance uh, this weekend. We've talked about that pretty extensively. It got a little hairy though. I didn't think Arkansas fully took advantage of what he was able to do in those six innings, but luckily Dave and his team didn't lose confidence in that dugout. Well, when you're up four to nothing and you take out your guy, and then the next two innings they punch in four runs and tie it up, it could be demoralizing, but we just said, hey, we get the last at bat. Let's get through this inning and score a run somehow. We did and won the game, but it was good to see the way we responded. Guys, how about Peyton Holtz? And some of you didn't get a chance to watch it, but Peyton Holt hits that that triple. It's kind of fly ball esque. I know some Arkansas fans were having fun with that, but uh, what a what a clutch moment for him. And guys, if there's one guy that I want at the batter's box in a key situation, it it might be Peyton Holt at this point for what we've seen the last year and a half from him or so. Well, you feel confident when he's up there, that's for sure. You know, and that um, that that ball he hit Friday night was a shot. Hey, we got to mention, too. Let me mention Robin Heron through a perfect game for the Razorback yep. softball team over the weekend. Men's and women's track teams won SEC championships over the weekend uh, weekend as well. So there was a lot of good things that happened over the weekend. And Dusty Annis also had uh, a, quite a performance. He goes 7 for 10 against uh, Cuba for Team USA. So he had plenty of Razorbacks, both collegiately. You mentioned the championships and, and Heron's performance, and then also uh, professionally as well. So Bobby Portis had a pretty epic game the other night for the Milwaukee Bucks. All right, that is going to do it for your hog update this morning. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't one of the big college football stories that came down the pipe this weekend, I guess it came down on Friday, was what happened with the NCAA uh, now not being able to uh, enforce uh, recruits signing with booster groups in high school before they reached school. This was um, struck down in both Tennessee and Virginia, and now it's going to basically happen in all states immediately. This is a big deal. I always thought, when we first talked about this, guys, a couple weeks ago, we thought this was going to kind of play out as it has. So this is one of the new, again, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up with changes sometimes with NIL and what other, but this is one of the bigger changes that's happened in the last couple weeks. I am not a lawyer, and there are so many cases out there, as you say. I, I have no idea. You know, it seems like you get a ruling here and another ruling there. And mm-hmm. the only trend line that I see is every one of them seems to favor the players being paid yeah. and uh, or having freedom to move and transfer and uh, do what they want in that regard. I, as I say, I, I am far from a legal mind. So to look at this and say, uh, this is why it's happening, or this is why the rulings are coming down this way. I, I have no earthly idea, but I do know that every single one of them seems to go the player's way, and so I, I, it, it's hard from a layman's perspective to think that's going to change. Yeah, and as I've read through this, and if I'm off base, you guys, you know, get me on track here. But these two court cases, in in specific, dealt with the idea that outside boosters. It was being challenged that everything we thought would go wrong with NIL, and some feel like it is, some feel like it isn't, is, hey, the, the outside money's being used to influence a kid on where to go to school. That was kind of the mm-hmm. crux of this challenge. The court said, no, that, that can happen. So if, you know, <laughs> the things you want to undermine or undercut as the, as the problems foundationally with this, um, you know, the courts have said are okay. And they, I, I'm with you, Chuck. I don't see that trend changing. I've had attorneys say to me over the years, just in casual conversation, you know, talking about sports and players being paid and things like that. I've had more than one say, you know, ultimately when this goes to the courts, I mean, this whole thing's going to blow up. You know, the the, the the law is on the side of um, paying the players. And um, as I say, I, I don't understand all that, but I do know that you know, this is where we are, and every court ruling that I see, I've seen nothing that makes me think it's going to change. Yeah, go the other way. Hog Caller brings up now they're heading for high school, as you text that in the McCarty Daniel hotline. Oh, they are. And I know in, in some states that's already happened to, to this point in time. One of the questions, so, again, this is like now it's legal. This was happening beforehand. 
Like, right, we're not naive. We're not ignorant enough to don't think that this wasn't happening. Not prior to this to, extent. And, and not that, to this extent. There, there's some truth to that to this point. But I don't understand if someone wants to explain to me the difference. What's the difference between a young man or a young woman that's about to graduate from college who's vetting his said job opportunities, going through the particulars of what he or she could make? based on what these companies are offering him. Not graduating, he hasn't signed with any company. He or she has not signed any company yet, but part of being a young man or a young lady is distinguishing, hey, this is the best place for me, not just because of salary, not just because of benefits, but because of other intangibles. This is just an earlier process of that to me, is it not? Because again, you're getting to know the particulars, not every, not all the football stuff, not all that prior to you getting on campus. But to me, there's a lot of similarities between the two. Oh, but, but there is no competitive advantage gained if one place is doing it and one place isn't, like there is in sports with an individual student. I mean, I understand that the comparison, and you're right from, from the description of it, but the reason the rules, which some may be archaic and some need to be updated... But in some opinions, and I would tend to agree, this has went too far, was the idea of keeping competitive balance and keeping the rules the same for everyone. That's, that's always been the challenge. And people are always going to break the rules. The rules we like are the rules that favor us. The rules that's we hate the are the ones that don't. That's the real world. And, you know, that's, that's what's going on with this right now. And we've reached a point in sports and a lot of other things where we just act like the rules we disagree with don't apply. Mm-hmm. We just go do what we want. Um, you know, I realize the world's changed, but I, I cannot imagine that, you know, we get into, you know, just the the, the, the portal and the NIL. And, and, I mean, where does it stop? How low does it go? I, I, mean, are we, I mean, are we doing this to get kids to go to high schools when they're in eighth grade? This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.